All right, welcome to another episode of Life in Red, and it's the first of brand new year 2021. And before we get started on this episode, uh, I will let you know there is a, uh, a trigger warning for this episode um, with, uh, you know, child abuse and uh, some pretty heavy themes. So if that stuff um, triggers you or, you know, makes you very uncomfortable, um, please, uh, it's okay, please sit this out. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a very heavy episode. Um, we talk a lot about a lot of things here about, uh, mental illness and mental health, but, um, this episode really dives into, uh, multiple personality disorder and, uh, it's, I mean, I don't know what to say. There's times when I was listening to, uh, my guest story that I just, I had no words to, to try to put you know, my thoughts into what he was telling me in his story. It was absolutely, truly horrible what happened to him. So we we talk about, you know, his childhood. We talk about, um, you know, how his illness has manifested as an adult. We talk about how the mental health system here in Canada and Ontario specifically failed him. And, uh, you know, it's it's a it's a heart-wrenching story, but I'm very grateful for his time and, and energy into talking about it because... It's a stigmatized uh, illness, and we don't talk about it. And it's often glorified in in movies as as villains, as as people who you know are a detriment to society. And I'm I'm glad he's sharing this story to help you know paint a different picture in our minds about what you know multiple personality disorder is. Um, so uh, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you learn a lot. It is a hard listen. But please give it up for my guest, Victor Jansen. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. First episode of 2020, and uh, it's going to be a little bit heavy, uh, but I'm very pleased to be joined by uh, my my new Twitter friend, Victor. Thank you uh, so much, sir, for joining me. I appreciate it. You're welcome, and I appreciate uh, you allowing me a, a forum to uh, tell my story. Uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you. So I, I read your piece, which came out a co- by the time this comes out, which is going to be early January. Um, it was just before Christmas, so I, I read that and some pieces you sent me. And it is, I like I said just before we started recording it. Like, you know, I don't have words to kind of put into me even describing it. So we're going to go into that. But I want to start off. Can you explain your specific diagnosis? So I think people can kind of have some context uh, about going into some of the stuff they're going to hear. Sure, I've been uh, I've been diagnosed with uh, severe complex PTSD. Um, I've been diagnosed with uh, dissociative identity disorder or DID, another fancy term for multiple personalities um, and borderline personality uh, issues. I've also have uh, early childhood developmental trauma um, and, uh, and also suffer from uh, hypervigilance. And that's been like 45, 45 years of uh, just being always on, being threatened, um, and, and with that, what comes with that is uh, lack of sleep, um, 
what comes with that is uh, constant body armoring where my body is always tense. Uh, it's, it's ready to fight. Um, and you have to understand as a, as a, as a young boy, um, I'm, I'm the youngest in a family of, of, of two other older siblings and my parents. And uh, so uh, the, and I'll be brutally honest with you, the, the whole concept of shit flows downward uh, uh, is totally applicable to, to how I was brought up. Yeah. And you meant so multiple personalities. This is something I guess Hollywood kind of, I don't know if they over or sensationalize it, right? Like they, you have like, you're, I'm like talking to you and all of a sudden your other personality like pops up and I'm talking to a new person. Can you describe, and I'm sure it's very complex, but just what it's kind of like living with multiple personality disorder or DID? Sure. I'll, I'll give you a, I'll give you a prime example of, of, I mean, I've been diagnosed late in the onset and I just want to put some context around this. Mm-hmm. Um, see my, when I, I mean, I, I grew up in a, an abusive, uh, neglectful family, um, uh, you know, from what I can remember from four years old to, to 18. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> and it's through those uh, exchanges uh, of living in that, that type of environment um, that my body developed uh, uh, multiple personalities to, to protect me. Um, and, and one of the, one of the earliest personalities that I have, uh, his name's Harris. Um, it's H A R A S. And he was with me the very first, uh, we were introduced after my very first traumatic experience. So he's been with me for 45 years. Um, and, and I'll just put this in the context for you regarding that, that, personality um he used to protect me now it's a love-hate relationship Uh, i can tell you that from experience um about a year and a half ago i had a uh he came out in me one night um where and 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 what how it appears is you know it could appear that that i may i may have been you know in a drunken state um because i was stumbling uh, I was mumbling, you know, you, they couldn't understand anything I was saying. Um, I went into my backyard uh, uh, and that physical manifestation of that, that personality um, literally tried to run me through a brick wall, um, tried to bear, you know, stake me into the ground like a, like a tent stake. Uh, you know, I woke up the next day um, still wearing the same clothes, uh, covered in blood. Uh, had multiple lacerations in my in my mouth, um, and uh, all my ribs were bruised. And eventually, it turned out that I actually broke a couple ribs uh, in the process. Um, so when you wake up from that, <clears throat> I can tell you that you know it's it's uh, it's jarring to say the least. Um, I mean, I've had dissociative episodes where one minute I'm in my house, and the next minute I'm strapped to a hospital bed, not knowing why I'm there. Um, you know, and having, having, uh, uh, <clears throat> medical professionals tell me that I was there because of a, of a, of a drug overdose, um, and, and, and knock on wood, uh, you know, my whole experience, uh, of, of as, as an adult and as a lifestyle, 
um, it's been pretty hard. Uh, I lived a hard life. Uh, most people don't see it as a hard life, but they don't see me um, outside of work. And, and, you know, I used to work in rock and roll uh, back in the 90s and, 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 and early 2000s and then uh, decided to become corporate. And uh, um, so, yeah, so, so when, you, when you have multiple personalities, oddly enough, I've been able, I've been so good at compartmentalizing those entities or my life into, in, into certain compartments. Um, and, and so far, none of my alternate personalities have ever impacted my work life at all. Um, it's just everything after work life, uh, you know, the 12 hours or whatever you want to call it after that, that's where it gets a little dicey. Um, but yeah, I've, 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 I've had like, there's, there's holes in my memory. There's, there's holes where, uh, you know, you can't, you can't chalk it up to sleepwalking. Um, I mean, just the other night, uh, I had a, a night terror, um, that, you know, I usually get them every night anyways, but, uh, this particular one, uh, I remember waking up from it. Um, but I don't remember anything else. And there's a two hour window there where, uh, uh, you know, I have no recollection, um, I know that I took a beating because uh, my ribs are, are pretty much done in most times, uh, groins done in, um, different body parts are done in. And it's interesting because through the beatings, I, I've, I've, I've learned which personality has come out and which one hasn't. There's, there's two of them uh, that are on the more violent side, and that is this Harris individual and then an individual that we labeled as the beast and the beast is just all about pure rage. He's all about, um, uh, he's all about just hurting, hurting me, uh, really hurting this physical body. Uh, so that, uh, when I say that, I mean, the head is, is, is fair game. My groin, everything is fair game. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's a little jarring. Um, there's no way of stopping it. There's no magic pill. Um, but it's par for the course. So hopefully that answers your, your question. Yeah. And I, I, to follow up on that, like, so you're, you're talking about these, these beatings, you know, you're waking up with covering blood, you're root, you're growing your ribs. So, and you kind of mentioned it a little bit that like, it was kind of like you were stumbling around drunk and I, I don't know if you have an answer. Cause obviously you're, you're not coherent in the a sense to know what's happening, but like, how is this manifesting for you? Like, do you like see like almost like a hallucination in your brain or, or like, it's almost like watching a movie, like you're kind of third party to what's happening. Like, are you beating yourself up when you're going through these things? Like, how does it manifest kind of mentally and physically when another personality comes out? So it's, it's a, it's a complete checkout of this version of conscious self. Um, so, so to put it in context, you know, you you got this version of self that's speaking to you, but you have to understand that I'm not alone. There's there's all my personalities have a connection through me to you to this conversation. I don't have a connection back to them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it it's uh, uh, it's a complete checkout, and and I don't see um, I don't I don't have any memory. I don't have any recollection. Uh, I just pick up the pieces and, and keep moving on. Um, I mean, you know, the closest thing that, that I've had this year that, that uh, I don't know what you want to call it is um, 
uh, I've had one night uh, where uh, uh, all my all my personalities tried to come out at the same time, um, and uh, it's not pretty to watch. And uh, it was uh, it was an internal battle, um, and uh, this might sound ludicrous to some people, um, but I can tell you it's probably the first time that uh, um, I've ever hurt. Uh, this version of conscious self has ever been able to hurt uh, Paris. Um, and uh, I, I, want, I want to put it in a broader context here. You see, for the last, I'm on 44 weeks now um, where uh, I've suffered, um, I suffer nightly episodes. Uh, on average, they last about two hours and I get to re-experience on every level, your emotional, your mental, your physical, and your spiritual, um, I get to 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 re-experience uh, most of my childhood trauma, um, and, and and to put this in the context. Um, so yeah, I'm a five-time uh, suicide survivor. Um, you know, when I was ten years old, uh, I tried to commit suicide three times in one summer. Was successful once with a drowning, and just by chance, uh, someone was walking past the pool and saw me floating and brought me to life. Um, but when they pulled me out of the pool, I was unconscious, no pulse, and and so I'm not going to spoil it for anyone for my interpretation. And I've been to the other side; I know what's there. Um, so when I look at the world these days, I mean, I look at I look at everything that I see, Ryan, and, and to be quite honest, I'm not intimidated uh, nor scared by um, anything man wants to throw at me um, because I've been to the other side. You can't scare the walking dead. Uh, mm-hmm. And I know I'm not saying that to be uh, a bravado or anything like that. I'm just I'm just telling you my truth and, and the things I've learned with these nightly episodes um, it, it, it comes to a point where you look at it and you, you say, well, reality is, a lunacy, is lunacy and lunacy is reality because at certain points of time, I'm, I, I, feel, um, I feel every sensation. I feel exactly the precise moment where your body separates from the soul, where your soul is reunited with the body. And I can tell you that our body is not designed for that, um, but it's extremely painful. Um, it, 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 you know, I, I convulse violently on, on my bedroom floor, uh, on a nightly basis. Um, and, and, you know, there's, there's times where, um, my reality gets so fucked up that I, I, you know, you can't, you can't rely on any of your senses because, uh, one minute you're smelling the chlorine of a pool. The next minute you're tasting dirt from the ground where you, where you hit and, and, you know, you're, you're, you know, that you're laying on your bedroom floor. Um, but your all your senses are telling you you're not. And, uh, so, I mean, it's, 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 uh, there's a brutality in, in, in mental illness, um, that, uh, most people want to deny and, and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll swing this into this conversation. Um, you see my ex therapist, uh, you know, the downside to the Ontario mental health system is the fact that, that we don't have a triage uh, set up for mentally ill people. Uh, I can tell you that when I had my, my breakdown, um, uh, you know, I was left to my own devices 
to, to find a therapist, to find someone, you know, and, and that's just, well, here's the internet, go look. Um, so I, I thought I found a, a, a therapist, um, but clearly, you know, after two years, uh, you know, she underestimated her abilities, was boxing way above her weight class. No one expected that what came out of me to come out. Um, and, 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 you know, with my dissociative identity disorder, my multiple personalities, um, you know, they, they know how to use uh, technology. It doesn't matter what I do uh, to stop it. I've deleted people's contacts. I've, I've put multiple passwords on phones, uh, devices. They still know. They still know how to get in. They still know how to send email. Um, you know, and it comes from my account. And so on that note, my ex-therapist, you know, hung me out to dry in the court of law, stating that, uh, um, you know, that I was uttering threats, um, which in all essence, one of my personalities did that. Um, and, and so anyways, long story short, um, you know, I went to court. I was charged with, with uttering threats. I was charged with harassment or criminal harassment. Um, and yet, uh, you know, there was a, a eight page uh, medical report by my current therapist, who's a medical doctor first, and then specializes in psychotherapy. Um, and there was a 30 page psychiatric assessment done by a forensic psychiatrist. Uh, and it turned out to be all irrelevant. Um, because the psychotherapist who's a female, uh, you know, she had more, more power. Um, they saw, they saw what they wanted to see and they ignored the rest. And, uh, you know, it's pretty bad when it, it, you know, the courts have documentation that explicitly states that when I'm under extreme stress, um, I may seem totally lucid, but nothing's registering. And in, from my experience, no one clued into that fact. So yeah, I went to court. I don't remember any of it. I don't remember being there. I don't remember uh, pleading guilty. Um, yet, you know, they got their man. Uh, you know, the, the society, uh, you know, they hung me. Um, they hung me from, for my mental illness. And, and, and my, uh, you know, my going away present uh, from that experience is, uh, and I might get emotional here because, uh, once you deal with the shame, um, it's a killer. And, uh, uh, I feel as though, uh, society, um, my own community, uh, and for the majority part, uh, the mental health, industry and, and ministry uh, attorney general, uh, they executed and exercised the perfect, uh, punishment. And that is, uh, to mentally ill, Ill illness, shame me into, into oblivion. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I'm dealing with now is, uh, I struggle with a lot of shame. Um, because of, 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 of no one understanding. So I could be understood. Right. And there's a lot of anger. There's a lot of rage. There's a lot of resentment that comes with that. Um, 
and you know, and throughout this whole process, I, I want to be clear on this too: is I have no kind words for uh, uh, CMHA. Um, in my own community, they 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 banned me for life from from all their services. Yet it's the same community that I live in that they control most of the mental health uh, um, supports. I have to call, and and I'm I'm going to give kudos to to uh, the people that deserve kudos, and that is Brad Stark, Katie Curtis, Christy Cole, all the staff at at St. Leonard Society uh, in Brantford, because uh, uh, they have a willingness and receptivity to understand what I'm going through, um, understand my illnesses, and uh, um, they allow me the freedom to, to express myself, um, and my truth. And, uh, for that, I'm ever grateful for that, that, that group. Uh, I'm grateful for my current support, Dr. Bill, uh, Jim, and, and I'm especially grateful for, uh, for Lisa, um, who, who has introduced me to her, to her, 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 her herd of horses, um, and it's through the, it's through the equine, um, therapy that I'm working with her, uh, that the only sense of belonging that I have is with a herd of horses. Um, what, what the mental health industry has done to me, uh, they've dehumanized me beyond dehumanization and, uh, they're not accountable for anything. And, and so far in my battle uh, with this, with this machine, they're, they're all above the law. Lots to unpack there, but um, thank you for like kind of sharing all that, that insight and that story. Um, We have actually had um, equine, equine therapy, uh, a person who, who lives in the Ottawa area where I'm from actually on to talk about that. And it's really interesting and fascinating how much horses seem to help people with all of tremendous amount of, you know, whether it's mental health or even physical health and spiritual health, it's, it's very interesting. So if people want to know about that, they can go back. Her name is Susan Allen. Um, I want to put a caveat to, to when I talk about equine therapy, see my ex therapist, the one that hung me in court, well, that whole community puts her on a goddamn pedestal because of her so-called mm-hmm. work uh, uh, within the equine community um but when you slowly go through her her resume uh you know she's applying polyvagal theory uh which i don't know if you've ever looked at polyvagal theory it's very interesting um you know polyvagal i'll I'll tell you polyvagal in 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 a nutshell layman's terms polyvagal is a is a a nerve a, a root nerve that goes down to into your gut they, they refer to it as our, our, our second brain. It's a gut right. instinct. Your okay. gut instinct is coming from your, your vagus nerve. Uh, anyways. Um, but anyways, yeah. So, so, you know, she, she's taking these, these techniques that were developed in the human world and applied them to horses. She even has Stephen Porges's endorsement about her work with horses. Um, which, which to me, I think is complete bullshit. And, and, uh, uh, you know, my, my ex therapist, everything I say about her, she'll, she'll tell me that it's either harassment or, or me, uh, you know, trying to discredit her. Um, but, uh, you know, instead of her having a conversation with me, 
um, you know, she brings, she brings her lawyers to the table uh, and, and, and whatnot. So, um, but, but I mean, I have faith in, in, in equine therapy, um, the way it's being, being presented to me by my current uh, coach and uh, you know, um, the herd, the herd really keeps me uh, balanced and recalibrates my nervous system when it goes away. Right. So, I mean, when you talk about the mental health system, you know, people with even the simpler, I guess, quote unquote, simpler problems of anxiety and depression have, have a lot of issues with trying to get help. But when we go into these more severe and complex issues that, you know, just by the sounds of it and from other episodes of the podcast, how difficult it can be to get help. So I, I want to get back to that and a little bit about that story, but I do want to take people back to kind of the beginning because, you know, you've referenced it a couple of times as this abusive childhood trauma and now, you know, complex PTSD and, and all these different things. So I want to kind of start on that first story that, that was shared with me with the barbecue and how that all transpired into this, you know, more, you know, complex story of your childhood. So take us through a little bit about what happened there. Sure. And, and, you know, before I start in this conversation, I just want to tell your, your viewers and your listeners, whatever you're drinking, whatever you're eating, put it down, swallow, because this is going to be hard to take. Mm. Um, yeah. So, so as a four-year-old, um, I remember as clear, clear as day, uh, you know, I, I, I remember standing in front of the, in front of the, it's the, you know, I guess the Fachi barbecue. Um, uh, I remember the, the, the warmth of the sun on, on my back. Um, I remember looking at how bright everything was. Um, and, uh, you know, I had my older brother behind me, uh, riding his bicycle up and down the driveway and, and doing skids behind me while I just watched the fire in, in the, um, hibachi barbecue and and you have to understand at that point there were no grills on top of it it was just open coals and my el my eldest brother was at the bottom of the driveway playing and, and, and whatnot and I just remember uh last thing I remember is hearing my older brother chuckling as he's riding his bike up the driveway as fast as he could uh I heard the skid mark and then I heard the I, I felt the pain on my ankles and then a hand on my back and uh, that's when I fell forward, hands first, um, into the fire. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget watching, um, you know, seeing how bright red the coals were and watching how black my hands were, uh, you know, getting, getting sucked into the, into the coals. Um, and then, of course, the excruciating pain of the cast iron uh, hot barbecue side branding my chest across my chest and then um the worst feeling ever uh was feeling the the um the uh flame trickle and tickle my my eyeball um and i just remember pulling myself up uh couldn't scream couldn't do anything because uh, I inhaled a lot of uh, the hot air and the flames down my throat damaged my vocal co cords. And uh, uh, I just remember turning around and, and I don't remember anything else. And then when I came to uh, next, I was, uh, uh, you know, I had my one hand, my one eye was already bandaged up. My hands were like uh, big boxing gloves. They were just bandaged up in, in, uh, uh, 
<clears throat> they're they're just bandaged up and I remember uh, the bright light. I remember feeling the cold uh, table on my back. I remember uh, seeing two masked people in front of me, uh, female and male. Um, and I just remember watching them peel stuff off my chest and, and, and whatnot. Um, and as a four-year-old, you know, when your parents aren't there, um, you know, not even in the room with you, um, I panicked. I, I panicked. Uh, and the last thing I remember was the, the female, um, doctor nurse rubbing my arm, um, saw a tear, you know, tears coming down her face as she, you know, as I was panicking. And then I just remember being stabbed in the arm, um, with a doctor, with, with a needle from a doctor. And, and I blacked out again, um, after that. And then my last memory is, is stumbling through my front door uh, with my parents or with my mother. I should be clarify that with my mother and my two brothers at the time. And, you know, they, uh, uh, that my two brothers were sent to their room and, you know, my mom walked me to our, our kitchen uh, dining room area in a little hallway and she went to the kitchen and, and, you know, um, I remember her saying to me that uh, uh, I scared her, um, you know, that, that, uh, uh, that I hurt her um, and that I need to be taught a lesson. And, and before I knew it, she, she whipped around the, the corner of, of our kitchen and uh, she put a 12 inch cast iron uh, skillet into my ribs. Um, of course that didn't really knock me on the ground. Um, you know, the, she put her boot, her boot through my stomach. Um, that didn't knock me on the ground either. It wasn't until she put her foot through my groin that I hit the floor. Um, I just remember having my hand bandaged up. And uh, sorry, I'm getting a little emotional here. Um, I uh, I remember split spinning uh, black and black and red crap out of my out of my lung, out of my chest, my throat. Um, and then I remember my dad coming home. I remember hearing his footsteps, his, his work boots on the floor, and uh, I remember him his belt coming off. And I remember each sound the belt made as it passed through the, the denim loops. Um, and uh, he, he grabbed me by the arm, uh, left arm, yanked me off the floor, told me I scared uh, my mother. Uh, they both told me it was my fault that I fell into the fire. I shouldn't have been there in the first place. Um, my dad went on and, and beat me. Uh, Till I bled on my back with his belt. And then they put me in the room for about uh, eight hours. And uh, you got to understand, the last thing they said to me was, uh, you're the mistake, but we still love you. And uh, that's the day I met Harris. To think about 
doing that to a child is unconscionable to to do that to a child who just went through perhaps one of the most traumatic and painful experiences a human can experience and then to inflict that amount of pain and suffering on top like i said off the beginning there's just like a reading it was one thing having you tell it was one thing to experience that like i don't know that like there are no words like that is just the most horrible thing i've ever heard in my life and to to put into context your family denies that happened correct yeah my mother is deceased and i gotta I'll, I'll, i'll be honest with you um she was a terrible mother but she was a great grandmother to my kids never harmed them uh always showed them love um and you know i'm not the one to deny uh my grandkids to to not have access to their grandparents um i'll be honest with you i mean it's been 21 years since i've spoken to my father uh we live in the same community um it's been a few years uh since i've spoken to my elder or my my older brother we live literally two blocks away from another one another um but you see he's so he's so highly regarded in the church um and the church plays a big role in in all of this because uh uh i i've been one who's always seen through the hypocrisy uh i experienced the hypocrisy firsthand where my parents my family put on a show uh every sunday saying look how normal we are to to the church um and then i go home and i get beaten by everyone in my family uh and then i get uh i get labeled as i'm the bad guy i'm the black sheep of the family um but <clears throat> you know um the church did a lot of damage to me as well uh you know and 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 to be quite honest when i when i look back at it i'll, I'll give you the the Coles notes version for your, for your viewership. Um, you know, that, that burning was one thing. Uh, that's, that was, that's the only memory that, excuse me for a second. Take your time, please. I have three, my first three childhood memories are getting pushed into the fire. Um, being on that hospital gurney and then the abuse those are my first three childhood memories I don't wish it on anybody and uh, oh excuse me for a second yep please take your time it's Like I said, to think about, you know, what you went through and how you've come out on the other side, um, and we'll get into some of that other stuff coming up, is, I don't want to use the word inspirational, because, you know, you've 
there's there's no way to ever say that you deserve to go through anything that you went through and that you're using this for a, a, a form of good now. I mean, it, it's, again, I, I'll keep saying no words because it's just the most, it's the horrible, most horrible story. Like, it's like a Netflix documentary that where people just get utterly shocked and disgusted. Um, so, so you, you know, you went through this, your your entire life now it kind of seems like a lot of people have been discrediting you um not believing you you know you're you're trying to share all these these stories and things that have happened to you and and through now from then till now you have people constantly undermining you and telling you you're a liar and you know how do you remain yourself when you're kind of bombarded by all these you know, it seems like everything is almost out to get you or, or stacked against you. Like, how do you remain positive and, and keep going to share this story? I look at it this way, Ryan. I'm a fighter. Um, always have been, always will be. Um, and, and I want to, I'll share with you on how I got through the hell of my childhood. Um You see, my family of origin, it didn't, it didn't matter if you were sleeping. It didn't matter what the environment was. As long as the house doors were closed, uh, I got abused physically, mentally, psychologically. Um, and, you know, most of the time, my brothers and parents always had weapons. They, wep- they would weaponize anything in a house that's not not nailed down um and they would beat me with it and uh the way i got through it um is what most people would call self-harm and you see i used to wake up in the middle of the night for example that skillet that my mom used um, I used to take that skillet and this is no lie. This, is, this isn't bullshit. I used to take that skillet and beat myself 50 times on both sides of my ribs as hard as I could. And I did that so that they wouldn't break me psychologically. I did it so they wouldn't break me at all. And uh, people can do what they want to me because I'm pretty good at fighting. I'm pretty good at taking abuse, absorbing pain. But you can't break my spirit. That's what gets me through. When I don't want to go into too much of the specifics, but, you know, you mentioned you survived, you know, five suicide attempts as a child when when the you know the last one kind of came and you're still here did that give you any sort of meaning or purpose as well were you kind of like okay maybe I'm here for a reason I know a lot of people kind of use that as the driving force for the rest of their life and and creating into meaning was there was there anything like that for you or was it just 
like you almost like gave up on giving up because it just didn't seem to work. I hate to use that well, phrase. That sounds horrible, but. Well, you see, the first three attempts were when I was at 10. And then I just came to realize that nothing's going to change. Um, and then the second, the, the fourth attempt, which was more significant than the rest, um, that's when my mom decided to pull a knife on me. Um, and, uh, and we're not talking just a normal steak knife. We're talking a chopping knife, a six-inch blade. Uh, turn it upside down, pressed it in a bomb in my stomach, and uh, told me she was going to gut me like a pig. It was that one um, that threw me over the threw me over the edge. Um, it's that one where I, I you know, I, I went and and uh, raided my parents' medicine cabinet, raided you know, took whatever I could with pills. Uh, found all the alcohol, you know, found as much alcohol as I could. Um, bought as much cocaine as I could. Um, and, and, and it's, it's through that one that, uh, uh, that I realized that I had no way out. Um, and it wasn't until when I was 18, I tried one last time. I tried the same combination, but this time I thought, you know what, I'll, I'm, I'm going to throw a rope around my neck and uh, hang myself. That way, you know, there's no way of surviving it. If the alcohol didn't get me or the, or the medicine didn't get me or the illicit uh, uh, substances didn't get me, at least the rope would. And it was that one. Uh, where the rope broke um, that I realized that I had to, something had to change. Um, there are a lot of things, a lot of people don't know about me and I was living and it feels like I still live a double life um, because I made a choice at that time. I could either have correctional facilities uh, or services take care of me for the rest of my life or I can bury everything. Um, and, uh, that was my tactical error right there. It was to bury everything, try to live a normal life. Um, and it was at that point where, where I realized that, you know, what's the point of dying? Um, you know, and, and I'm, and I'm blessed, uh, that I didn't die. Um, I'm blessed to have, uh, a beautiful wife. I'm blessed to have two great daughters and a granddaughter. Um, and I'll tell you like the last four, four or five years, uh, you know, the amount of substance abuse, uh, alcoholism that I went through, uh, I can tell you from 2015 to 2000, early 2019, uh, I should have been dead 10 times over. Um, but that's just the self-destructive tendencies that I have. And, uh, you know, um, and this is where the mental health system and the ministry of attorney general fall flat on their face, um, because they don't understand 
you see, they take acts like the Mental Health Act and they'll weaponize it against people like me. Um, because of self-harm. I don't, I haven't self, this version of this conscious self hasn't self-harmed in over a year, a year and a bit. Um, but I use, I use self-harm as a coping tool. And, uh, and because of the ignorance and arrogance of, of, um, policies and laws and acts developed in academia and boardrooms, uh, police easily weaponize that shit and, and they throw you up in lockups. Uh, you know, they put you in, 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 in institutions against your will, um, which is a trigger in itself, which just perpetuates the situation, gets me more dissociated and, uh, and then it just becomes more abuse of, uh, of so-called healthcare providers keeping me safe. Um, and, and, you know, I, I use that word reluctantly um, because it's so subjective. It's also uh, a word that's easily weaponized in itself um, because for someone like me, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to relate to, safety it's difficult to relate to to uh what's considered normal tolerances um right you never really knew it you never knew what that normal whatever childhood is supposed to be is being cared for and, and being safe and being taken care of like you never experienced what that was like exactly how so from when you were 18 and you made this conscious choice to 2015 like how you know you you got married you started a family like did this like were you completely successful in burying all of this into you know your your subconscious and like was it a relatively normal life or were there signs along the way where you're kind of like, oh, like, oh shit, like I, I smell trouble. Like you kind of saw it starting to, to come back up and surface or was it always surfaced? No, I, I was successful at, I, I was, I was successful at burying it. Um, the cracks started to, to show uh, with uh, job losses um, from 2011 to 2014. Um, I mean, I had abandonment issues, uh, so, I mean, um, there's a whole plethora of, of things thrown at me, but in that time period from 2011 to 2014, um, that was the catalyst that, uh, uh, that triggered everything that, that started, uh, to break crack the, the device that was holding all that trauma. Um, I, I want to tell your viewers, man, uh, don't make the tactical error that I made, um, uh, you know, trying to bury trauma, to bury everything, um, you know, address it. And, and this is where I give kudos to, to my eldest daughter. Uh, she's addressing her, her trauma. Uh, and uh, she inspires me. She gives me strength. 
um, you know, and, and she's dealing with the, she's dealing with it early. Uh, you let it fester for almost 30 years. Like I did. Um, you can imagine, uh, metaphorically speaking, you can imagine the force that's required to put pressure on that, on that lid. Um, and you can imagine the force behind that lid trying to get out. Uh, and it didn't matter because uh, I was successful at pushing down that lid, keeping that lid down. Um, but once the container shatters, it shatters. And uh, that's what happened to me. And uh, it shattered all right. And everything came out. Um and like I said, my ex-therapist, uh, you know, and, and, and this is part of the, of, of the downfall of the industry itself. Like I said, there's no triage. There's no caseworker to follow through to see if you're a fit, uh, to see if modalities work. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm not a victim. I'll let you, I'll, I'll, be, I'll, let, I'll be straight up. I've only been victimized uh, by the system. Um, the only victim that I've been is what happened to me in childhood. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of individuals don't understand this. Um, but when I go through my nightly episodes and I get to re-experience every suicide attempt, every aspect of it, um, you have to understand that, you know, I, I didn't choose my upbringing. I didn't choose the family, my family of origin. I didn't choose uh, mental illness. Um, but I did choose to take my life, uh, more than once. Um, and, and for that, those are the demons that I have to, to, to lay in bed with because no one did that, but me. And a lot of people say that, you know, it's a narcissistic viewpoint. Um, but until you go down that road, and I'm not telling anyone, just to be clear, I don't want anyone to go down that fucking road. Um, but until you go down that road, you don't have a fucking goddamn right to judge what I have to say. Put a label on me. Um, because, yeah, I, I made those decisions to try to take my own life. Those are the demons I got to lay in bed with. The rest of it is I didn't choose. Um, you know, there, there, there are mechanisms out there now uh, for people to, to seek help. Um, you know, and, and, and part of it too, Ryan, is I, I, I find more help now. I mean, I have a really small uh, circle of care uh, traditional circle of care within the mental health industry. Um, they know who they are. Um, even the politicians that, that tried to help me, uh, they know who they are. Um, and, and, and part of it is, is that I don't want to see anyone go down that road. Um, hell, I've got a lot of adversaries uh, what I experience in these living, what, you know, I guess for a better term, they call them living flashbacks. Um, I question that sometimes, 
Um, but what I experience, I, I wish on no living being ever to experience. Well, you know, going back to something you said on bearing things down deep and, and letting them fester. I mean, yours is certainly an extreme example, but I think of lots of people and particularly men that we do this and we see whether it's trauma or whether it's, you, you know, anything that's happened to us and how that can manifest, whether it's in our relationships with, with our, our girlfriends and boyfriends, our partners, whether it's our kids, whether it's becomes our parents or our friends or loved ones that, you know, it, no matter kind of like whatever you went through, whether it's severe or maybe milder, that if you don't deal with it, you're probably going to see it again in some other form. It doesn't just go away. Uh, and whether that comes out in an outburst or it becomes part of your personality that you become, you don't trust people, you don't, you know, you don't uh, have good communication skills that it always comes back to bite you if you don't address it regardless. And that's why I'm such a, a strong advocate as well for, for, I mean, I say dealing with your shit. I just, you know, you got to deal with your shit, whatever it is. Um, well, it's interesting that you say that Ryan, because uh, my current therapist, you know, from day one, he's always told me I have to learn how to sit in and with my shit, hmm. um, which I think I'm getting pretty good at. And, and I, I want to tell all the young viewers out there, um, and listeners, uh, don't buy into the bullshit that you have to be strong like a rock uh, if you're a man. Um, I bought into that bullshit, and uh, uh, you know it came back to 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 bite me pretty hard. Um, but but I'll tell you what I've learned uh, from my from my process of what I go through every night. And, and I'll tell you the, the best remedy um, that, that anyone has given me um, is Dr. Bill prescribed to me a book called uh, Lame Deer, Memoirs of a Sioux Medicine Man. Um, and uh, I found inspiration through his story. Um, I found uh, a purpose uh, that keeps me going and, 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 you know, one of the things I've learned also through this process is I'm going to, I'm going to try to quote, quote Bruce Lee here and I might, I might fuck it up royally. Um, but Bruce Lee always said, you know, you, you gotta be like water, uh, colorless, shapeless, formless, and, and fluid. Um, and, and that's one thing that, that, the process that I'm going through every night now for 44 weeks uh, is exactly that. Um, I used to resist the pain. I used to embrace the pain that was coming. Um, but as of late, uh, uh, I, I embrace and, and, and welcome open armed the pain that's coming um, so that I can become the pain. Uh, and, and once you become the pain, I'm sure it hurts, uh, but the pain itself can't hurt you. Um, once you become the pain, you can, you can flow with it. You can dance with it. Uh, you can move in every which way it goes. And it's less about, uh, 
the sensation of pain. It's more about exploration of your tolerances and and life in general. Um, So every time I think of of being like water, um, you know, I try to be as fluid as, as I can um, when I go through, through my episode, um, I look at water and, and just that metaphor of water. I mean, it's, it's the essence of life. Um, you know, and, and when you start thinking about, uh, in, in, in lame deer and a couple other books that I've read, uh, that, that Dr. Bill has put, turned me on to is another one, another book called black elk. Um, and, uh, he talks about the endless circle um, and, and, you know, everything that we look at, uh, in life itself, um, how society is set up, uh, it goes against the grain of how we're supposed to exist. We're not meant to be stationary beings. We're not meant to live in boxes, um, within boxes, uh, it, when you look at nature, you don't find a 90 degree corner anywhere. Everything has a curve. Everything's a circle. Um, everything flows. And, and what, what our species has done to, to the country or to, to this, this, uh, to the earth is we've, we've done everything the opposite of, of what we're supposed to do. And, you know, and when, when I, it saddens me when I look at how the world is now. Um, and, and at the same time, I don't know how to get myself out of not living in a box, um, supporting my family. Um, you know, as a, as a society, we're in, we're in it too deep. Uh, you know, we definitely need to reset something. Um, you know, and, and, and this pandemic is just, is just the, the first shot over our bow, um, by mother nature. Um, because what I've learned through my nightly experiences and episodes is that, um, you know, we talk about control. Our species talks about control. Our species talks about choices. Um, I can tell you that's bullshit. Um, Control is a construct closely linked to choice. Um, when I go through my episodes, Ryan, I have no choices. I have no control. Nature is going to take its course. Nature is going to run its course. I'm only there along for the ride. Um, and uh, I, I'm noticing the the importance of of human connection and and. Uh, even though I've been isolated in, into obscurity um, by CMHA in my own community, um, you know, it's, it's, I got to take whatever's happening and, and turn it into a positive somehow. Is that why now you kind of decided to start sharing your story in some of this? It always amazes me, you know, just talk about anxiety and depression, which are the more common mental illnesses and how stigmatized they still are. You know, I started to get into conversations with people about, you know, bipolar disorder and PTSD and how even more so, but when you get into mental illnesses that are always, we we talked about it at the beginning that are glorified and sensationalized to be, you know, 
they're just to be violent, to be used for entertainment purposes where you can make a villain out of them because they, they have this mental illness. You know, it always amazes me that people share these stories knowing that when somebody hears it, it could easily make them afraid and, and perhaps make it worse because people aren't always open-minded to it, especially when it comes to the mental illness aspect. You know, what, what made you want to start sharing it and sharing it so deeply with people? Well, it came, it came down to the fact that uh, I reached out for help. Uh, I tried to escalate things. Um, I went down every rabbit hole when it comes to safeguards. Uh, and, and the tipping point was uh, a, our current mental health. Well, he's not really a, a minister. He's an associate minister. Um, uh, Michael Tobolo, uh, he's a no-show, period. He's never shown up. Uh, I've given him. I've, I've given him so many open invitations to have dialogue. Um, and uh, he's more concerned about, if you follow him on Twitter, he's more concerned about optics. Uh, you know, he wants the next photo op saying, look at me, look what we're doing, uh, instead of dealing with the dysfunction of, of the system. Um, but the real tipping point came when uh, um, my MPP, Catherine Fife. I mean, I want to give her kudos. I have much respect for her office. Uh, you know, she, she, she gave, she sent a letter on my behalf to Christine Elliott, the Minister of, of, uh, of Health. Uh, and, and, and she, Christine Elliott sent me a letter back with a, um, uh, and this is pre COVID, uh, a hollow apology, um, you know, stating, uh, that, you know, she can't get involved in individual cases, uh, washed her hands of, of everything. Um, and then spent the next, uh, 75% of the letter she sent me. Uh, endorsing and promoting her her mental health center of excellence think tank uh, that she developed. Um, and yet, you know, when you look at these things, uh, these 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 organizations that are that are built, uh, you know, there are no there there are no one uh, there's no one on those those boards or in those committees with lived experience. Uh, I keep asking for for people to produce it, uh, put it up front, and let me see. They keep telling me it's there, but they can't share names. They can't tell me who's on that. Um, and so, so that was the tipping point um, when the when our own health minister is arrogant, and ignorant enough to to, to uh, slap uh, a mentally ill person uh, in the face and wash her hands of of everything when she's supposed to be accountable for 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 the ministry uh, and everything under it that was the tipping point um you know and 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 that really really came came home and and so uh you know i i've spoken to to doug for some some of doug ford's cabinet ministers uh just cabinet people uh, I've tried every every which way to get in touch to have a have dialogue to have dialogue um, about mental illness, about the dysfunction of the mental mental health system. Um, I've heard for years, for years now, um, from from my own supporters who support me, saying that you know the the system's imperfect. Uh, it's the best that we have. Um, 
you know, and I've, I've, I've pressured all these people uh, who support me, you know, saying, when are you going to get off your ass and do something, you know, and, and, and everyone's hiding behind the, these self constraints of, of saying that it's beyond my scope of practice. Um, it's outside my scope of practice. Uh, it's not my function. Um, it's bad business, political optics. So, so when you get to that, to that point, um, you know, it, it makes me question who's really mentally ill, uh, who, who are the sick ones, me, or is it the system, the people in the system themselves who are sick because no one, no one has the guts to, uh, to stand up and actually say something, um, you know, but, but, I, and, I, and don't, please don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to knock anyone down. I'm not trying to discredit or, or be disrespectful to my supporters. Uh, we've had this dialogue multiple times, but it's this very dialogue. It's, 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 it's what the system has done to me that undermines everything that my circle of care is trying to do for me. Um, and, 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 you know, it, it's a challenge. Um, you know, I'm not the easiest person to deal with uh, when it comes to this bullshit um, because I call it like I see it. It's bullshit. Um, but yeah, the tipping point was when when the, the, the gutless and cowardless Christine Elliott uh, slapped me in the face, gave me an empty apology. And, uh, you know, from my perspective, uh, when I look at it, the entire mental health system, um, top to bottom, is, uh, is cancerous because it comes from the top. The attitude comes from the top and it flows down. Uh, and, and I don't want to, I don't want to say that there are good ones or bad ones. I mean, I've got compassionate, kind people. Uh, and I know that they're, you know, they're at at their core, they're genuinely, genuinely kind and compassionate, compassionate people with good hearts. Um, but when, when the system keeps doing what it's doing to me, it makes it very difficult for me to accept their support because I already, you know, because I already have trust issues, um, and, and these trust issues come through in, in some of our dialogue. And, uh, but, uh, you know, like I said, uh, my hat's off to, to Dr. Bill, um, Jim. I mean, those two, two guys, they've been with me the longest. Um, they've seen the shit that I've been through. They've seen the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, and then in just most recent years, I think about three years now, you know, uh, Brad Stark and, and Katie Curtis and, and Christy Cole and, and everyone at St. Leonard Society. Um, they've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, uh, um, you know, the damage to me has been done. Um, you know, the abusers and criminals at CMHA, well, that's what they are. Uh, you know, and, and it, 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 it strikes me, um, how an organization that is supposed to help you um, bans you uh, from their services. Um, what does that say about the organization? And then, you know, Helen Fishburn, uh, she blocked me on, uh, on uh, uh, social media, which is kind of funny. Uh, you know, it just shows that she's another coward, doesn't want to deal with her shit that she caused. Uh, and then, you know, CMHA National, well, they, you know, they blocked me on Twitter, too. Um, and that's because this organization's a coward. 
you know, when I, when I look at everything, uh, and I'll look, I'll look right in the camera and I'll tell you right now, uh, uh, Christine Elliott, uh, Michael Tobolo, your ministries made me what I am. So accept it. They won't. That's what they do. They deny everything. They deny the truth. Um, what I represent, I've been vilified. I'm demonized. I've been shamed into oblivion, Ryan. And what I represent is their own reflection. And the only reason I get attacked online is because people don't like their reflection because I reflect back the dysfunction and uh, I'm not going to stop, uh, you know, and, and to be quite honest, um, there are no immunities to, to my dehumanized commentary. Uh, you know, we might have this conversation. Um, you know, you might say something on Twitter that I totally disagree with. Um, and, and, you know, I might come come across as being an asshole, uh, you know, in a response, but, but understand that there's no, there's no immunities for my, dehuman, for my dehumanized commentary. I will call bullshit when I see it, uh, regardless if you're a friend or you're a foe, um, because something has to change. Something has to change. And, and one of the things that I keep struggling with and what I'm learning about, about change, um, change only occurs. And especially after this summer, the summer we had of all the violence and, and, and uh, uh, all these movements. Um, and, and, and that is, you know, change only happens when two things are, are occurring. And one is if there's going to be uh, extreme monetary gains or losses um, or out of violence. Unfortunately, you know, yeah, yeah I, I agree with you on that. If we, if you really want to see true systemic change that politics and talking about it very rarely works to the point where you really needed to. And that's, the unfortunate part, people in power do not want to give that up. Um, and you can yeah, see and, that and, through your story. You to be aware, I'm not. I'm not endorsing. Uh, I'm not endorsing any violence. I'm not endorsing. Uh, I'm not endorsing. You know, people' decisions to take their own lives. That's that's a personal choice. I'm not. I'm not going down that road. I'm not endorsing any of that. I'm just telling you for you know what I've learned from my experiences. Um, and you know, it's, it's, uh, but I'm learning and I've always, I'm always learning and, uh, my, you know, uh, everything that I say comes from a place of humility. Well, if you take your story right back to the beginning of our conversation to where you are now, like your, your story is a, is a complete narrative of, of how broken all of our, the systems we have set up in place to protect people very often fail people right from taking a, a child who's being abused to an adult who's suffering from severe mental illness, you know, every step along the way, there were probably lots of chances for the system and people to intervene and help you. And they didn't. And, you know, now you get to a point where you have to take on the role of protector of yourself and your community and people who, who experience things like you do or mental illness that like now you, like you, the system has made, ha, made you have to become your own protector. 
I think that's what happens a lot with anyone who suffers from mental illness and, and seeks, tries to seek help and how inaccessible getting the help is that, you know, we as a community almost take care of each other more than the actual system does. Sure. We have therapy, but it's expensive. And if you, even if you have benefits, it's not going to cover too many sessions. So if you have something very complex, it's not really going to do too much, you know, yes, nutrition, yes, exercise. Sure. It has mental health benefits, but when, you know, you have people falling through the cracks like you did, and then having it turned around on you, it, it, you know, it just, it's, it, it just leads to a, a perfect narrative and not perfect in a good way for somebody who's looking at how broken the system is, whether that's mental health or health wise or child welfare, that the complete thing we've set up to protect people is broken. And, and it really doesn't work in a lot in probably more ways than it does work. And it, Really, Ryan, it, it doesn't. It, yeah. You know what? The system doesn't work. And uh, I don't know if you want to call the system broken, because from from my perspective, uh, everything that I've been through, every rabbit hole I've been down, uh, every safeguard that I've been been told that is there. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, the other side of the, the, the equation will argue that the safeguards were there. Um, but, you know, the, the, it, the system's designed intentionally to protect uh protect the professions to protect the, the politicians to, to, you know, it's not about protecting the public at all. Uh, that's just lip service. Um, the system is designed and intentionally executed the way it's been executed. So is it broken from my perspective, your perspective probably is broken, but for our, from the politicians perspective, it's working just fine because it's designed that way. Right. Um, you know, it's designed. So, so, and here's my experience, you know, Andrea Horwath and, 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 uh, Catherine Fife and, 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 you know, the NDP party, they're, they're our provincial opposition party right now. Um, and yet I've gone to them for help. Catherine's worked with me for two years. Uh, I've gone down every rabbit hole. Um, the ombudsman, for example, it's bullshit. They have no teeth. They have, they have no jurisdiction. They're glorified note takers. Um, there are no checks and balances in the system. I mean, our own official opposition party can't even pressure, uh, these people, um, you know, what's going on, you know? And, and so, uh, if they can't, if they can't help who can, right. And right now, my only my only weapon, and, and, and it's not a, I, I want to use. I don't want to say that it's not a weapon. My only tool in my toolbox right now is to um, is to to you know get my story out. That's right. my only tool because no one's going to believe believe me. I've been called a liar, cheat, and thief. Uh, long enough. Uh, I don't. I don't expect anyone to believe my story. I, I don't expect nothing from anyone. Uh, to be quite honest, um, you know, I, I've tried to find lawyers. I try to find human rights lawyers. Uh, you know, uh, I don't even know how to start. You know, GoFundMe page um, because these people need to be taken taken the court. Uh, you know, I, I mean. I, I, I'm, I'm working on, on 
human rights tribunal applications for multiple offenders. Um, but I can be honest with you, I, I have no faith. I have no confidence uh, in that in that mechanism either, because I, uh, so many systems uh, have failed me already. Right. Um, I hear your phone buzzing, popular guy. So uh, I'll, I'll let you go on um, kind of this last point here. So this this story is going to be new to a lot of people um, hearing the things you experience and the things you go through and the things that have happened to you. So it's going to be very new and people aren't going to know what to do. So if for anyone who's watching, listening, um, and you, you specifically want them to have a takeaway or some sort of actionable item that they can do, what would that be? What, what can people do to either help you help awareness of this illness of, of whatever, like what is those actionable steps you'd like people to take away from this? I don't know if anyone can help me like my, like Dr. Bill has said that uh, with my experiences and whatnot, we're, we're all in no man's land together. Um, you know, we're, we're writing the chapters as we go along. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my biggest thing is uh, <clears throat> there's, there's two things for, for, for those who, who, who suffer uh, with, with mental illnesses. And I don't really care what degree, uh, um, the, the, the big thing is, 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 is philosophically, uh, think of yourself as water. Um, you need to constantly be moving in order to sustain life. Um, your directions of your movement are inconsequential insignificance. As long as you're moving, uh, you're still alive. Uh, and if you're still alive and you're and, and, and whatnot, it means you can learn. Um, and, and this is where I want to combine both from, uh, people from the outside who, who, you know, have, uh, uh, normalcy in their mental health to the extreme, like myself. Um, the biggest thing is, is that, uh, it's about understanding, um, whether it be self or others, it's about understanding so that, uh, the mentally ill people, uh, specifically the, the vulnerable and marginalized mental health disease people, uh, populations in the world, uh, can be understood. Um, that's all we're asking. Um, you know, is, is that's, that's my, that's my big takeaway. Well, I I really appreciate you coming on and and sharing the story and, and being so vulnerable. Um, I know, it can't be easy. Um, so I appreciate you taking some time and energy to, to express this. If I know you're active on Twitter, I don't know if you have other social media, but where can people, you know, follow you to kind of follow your fight and your journey and, you know, some of your insights on this. These days I do everything on Twitter. I mean, uh, I tried other social media platforms, but you know, Twitter seems to be, uh, where I'm at these days. Um, you know, there's, uh, I, I, I've, I've shied away from Facebook. Uh, I don't see any relevancy in it anymore. It's just, you know, it's, it's basically, it's, it's, uh, competing with the Joneses, you know, it's like, who's doing what, um, look at me, look at me, look what I've got, look at all my material possessions. Um, I don't give a shit about that crap anymore. Um, you know, it's, it, to me, it's more about connecting with people. It's about making a difference in the world. Um, you know, and and it it starts with, with having one person, uh, understand. So someone like me could be understood. And and, uh, I've got a few people now who are starting 
down that that adventure with me um and uh <clears throat> you know uh and and i just want to give kudos to 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 one more person who um who's inspired me um who's given me a sliver of hope in in the mental health system and and that's adrian uh spatford um CEO of at uh, Addictions Ontario or was it Addictions Mental Health Ontario? Um, uh, we've had some dialogue in the last last few weeks, and and uh, uh, she gets it. And um, you know, I look forward to to more conversations with her and her organization. Um, but yeah, something's got to change, and uh, you know whether I'm. Whether I'm here to see it or, or not, um, because, you know, tomorrow's a guaranteed no one. Um, so it's it's whether, you know, it's uh, essentially it's it's we need change and uh, we need to help, um, you know, the vulnerable and, and marginalized mental health disease people. And it, we need to separate uh, we need to separate it from all the other movements. Um, because I'm finding too often it's being dovetailed into a, another movement um, or being overshadowed by another movement. Um, it should be something that stands by itself, just like the other movements. Um, but it's very hard for uh, voters to, to, to see that when you put me in a crowd of people, I look just like you uh, from the, you know, from, from at face value. Uh, you know, you can't, you can't tell her there's anything wrong with me. Um, and, and that's, that's a real shame. That's a real travesty that people are that judgmental. Um, you know, there needs to be more tolerances. There needs to be more, more openness to, to dialogue. Uh, and, and, and I mean, and when I say dialogue, I mean, unrestricted constraints, free, uh, dialogue because mental illness plays by no one's rules. Um, it doesn't care what label title you have. It doesn't care. Um, you know, but, but if you, if you don't work at it, it will eat you alive. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I just hope the best for everyone. Um, and you know, like one of the things I always look at is, I always tell people, um, you know, appreciate what you have. And, and I don't mean that in a uh, lifestyle or material possessions uh, point of view. It goes much deeper than that. Um, and uh, I don't know where to go from, from there, but, you know, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to, to share my story um, you know, I, I know we've, we chatted for, for an hour and a bit now and, uh, you know, we're just scraping the surface, right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, if you ever want to have me back on your show, pick a topic and we can dive deeper into it. Uh, you know, uh, I, I've learned a lot. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I, I hope you finish those essays and, and I look forward to, to, to your feedback. Uh, I'm working with different organizations to get those essays published as well. Um, because, uh, yeah, I'm learning a lot. Uh, things that aren't, that aren't taught in textbooks uh, aren't learned in boardrooms or academia. 
Um, you know, and there are a few good, there are a few good mental health organizations out there that are willing to, to, there's a willingness and a receptivity to conversation. Um, and, uh, you know, for the ones that don't want to have the conversation, um, you know, want to deny the truth of what's happening. I just want to say to them that there's an open invitation uh, from me, standing open invitation uh, to have dialogue. If you have the courage to do so. Um, I'm not holding my breath for that, but I'll leave it out there for them to decide. Uh, I just appreciate the opportunity, uh, Ryan, for, for connecting with me and, and, uh, um, you know, I want to pre, I also want to give kudos to, uh, um, Christine Bays at, uh, uh, mm-hmm. um, cause she understands, uh, a lot of things that I go through. Um, and, and, and one of the things that, that, uh, you know, I just want to swing back and, and explain something, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> because I have no control over this, um, uh, but, you know, there's there's certain times where um, I do have a dissociative identity disorder uh, or personality called the poet. And uh, he's been known on several occasions to send out uh, uh, poetry emails, um, whether whether they're original, whether they're plagiarized. I have no no concept, no no connection to it. Um, but I'm, I'm grateful that, you know, my circle of care sends these things back to me because like you, I, I'm a virgin. I'm reading, reading this, this, this stuff for the first time. So, so I, I want to put that out there, Ryan, in case you ever do get an email from me, um, it'll be signed off by somebody, uh, the poet, um, if, you know, um, cause if you, if you get something from me and it doesn't sound logical, uh, or it's, it's out there, um, if you scroll down the bottom and you see from the poet, you know, the poet hair, you know, whoever the name is, you'll know it's from one of my identities and, and not from this version of conscious self. Mm. Um, that's, that's one of the demons and one of the risks of, uh, of, uh, of uh, having conversations with me is that we're never, I'm never alone. We're never alone. Um, and I don't know how other people with DID feel about that, but but from my perspective, from my experiences, we're never alone. Uh, even though you know you feel like you're alone when you're suffering, um, you know we all suffer as a collective. Right. Well, um, that, it was uh, you know without people like you willing to put in all the extra work and effort, we're not going to see change. So thank you for that. Um, you know, I'll keep following along the emails coming in. That's quite all right. Um, and uh, yeah, I look forward to maybe chatting down on the road and, and getting deeper into this stuff and see how your fight and in, in against, you know, the powers have, have progressed and, and where we're at. So Victor, I really appreciate this conversation. Thank you. And uh, you know, all the best going into the new year for sure. My hat's off to you. And, uh, you know, like I said, uh, uh, you know, I just want to uh, wish you a happy new year and uh, many blessings to, to uh, you and your family. Thank you, man. And same to you. I really appreciate it. Cheers. All right.
take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.